This is Product by Design, a podcast by Prodigy, where we explore technology, artificial intelligence, user experience, product management, and the philosophy of building products and companies. All right, welcome to another episode of Product by Design. I am Kyle, and this week we have another awesome guest with us, Hubert Pallon. Uh, Hubert, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Kyle. Awesome to be here. Yeah, I am super excited to talk with you today. Um, let, let me do a brief intro, and then you can tell us a little bit more about yourself. But Hubert is the founder and CEO of Product Board, a company focused on product management. He was previously the VP of product management at Good Data. He holds a master's degree in computer science from Czech Technical University in Prague and an MBA in entrepreneurship from UC Berkeley and probably many, many more things. But why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, thanks. Um, again, great to, great to be here with, uh, with everybody today. Look, I'm an engineer turned uh, product guy turned uh, CEO, I guess, of this product management platform, Product Board. And so, yeah, I started my career in engineering and then... And then I always had a passion for the business side and for understanding the use cases and kind of figuring out how to solve the problems or maybe identifying the the problems first and then figuring out how to solve them the best, which kind of led me to the product side of things. And then as I was a product manager, this BI startup, I was living the product manager's uh, life and, uh, Facing all the frustrations with like chasing all the different stakeholders and trying to understand, you know, what's in everyone's head and how, how different or similar people's expectations and understanding of what is it that we should be building are. And, you know, it's like hurting the cats. And I realized that for all the great software that we had on the engineering side, like Jira or GitHub, right? Like, you know, there's, there's many tools and there's more and more, uh, new entrants in that space all these all these systems has been historic have, have been historically focused on the on the optimization of what to build it is like a task management right it's it's project management basically for software but product management is not project management product management is not about tasks and milestones or, or i should say the right product management is not about tasks and milestones the right right product management is about who's the customer what are the pain points and then what are you going to do about it and and there was no system that had customers and pain points in it, which was mind-boggling to me. I mean, you have CRMs on the business side, right? But like on the on the R and D or on the engineering product design side, there was literally no customer data. There, there's no customer data in Jira. There's no customer data in GitHub. And so that's that's product worth. And then the rest is history. You know, six dozen companies as customers, including large companies, small companies, the Microsofts of the world, and small startups alike. Um, Still, still trying to solve the same product management challenges um, with Product Board. So that's in a nutshell what I'm doing. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to dive more into that because I think that those are some great, great topics. But before we do, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you like to do outside of the office and, and maybe outside of work? Oh, so, I mean, I don't know how... Um, differentiated i am i have i have two kids and a third on the way and i run a startup and so there's not much more outside of uh work and and family i i run to stay sane and just in general work out uh, to stay sane but yeah i i like to learn about uh other people that were top of their craft and i actually you know whenever i welcome people to product board i always call uh, i always talk on this like intro call or meeting about this Japanese concept of a shokunin, which is somebody who's a master of their profession, craft, discipline. And, and I just love learning about people who are really the best in their fields and just trying to understand how their brains work and what, what got them there. So that's my side passion that, that when I have a little time, listen to podcasts or read books, that's what I do. Okay. Well, we're going to circle back to that because we'll be interested in if there's anything that you'd recommend um, towards the end. <laughs> but diving into you know a little bit more about what you were talking about, I'm really interested in this idea of going from 
engineer into product management and then from product management into founding a company. What were some of the things that kind of uh, drove you to make some of those shifts from, you know, first from engineering into product and then eventually into founding a company, a, a product management focused company, but uh, founding a company? The the first one, the engineering to product management is is probably because my mom was a very high empathy person and and I talked to her a lot. She was in marketing, which is kind of, you know, if you if you want to be a good marketer, you need to have high empathy for customers, which by the way, actually is the same. If you want to be a great salesperson, if you're going to be a great marketer, if you're going to be a great product manager, if you want to create it in business, you need to understand people. And so that somehow kind of tipped me that while I love coding and while I love the art of creating and having the super short feedback loop that you get in software engineering, that something is literally happening right away in front of your eyes, right? As you, as you, um, deploy the code, I, I wanted to understand the people's challenges and what makes people excited and what is the, not just the utilitarian aspect of the products, but the delightful aspect of it. And thus I kind of gravitated towards product management and I went through management consulting Accenture, like a systems integrations consulting. So, you know, it was a lot of business, but with understanding of the technology. Um, so that was the first one. And then the second one, the second one is, uh, I, I guess I already told a little bit of a story, right? Because I, I just had a big pain point that I wanted to solve. And I, I talked about my mom, but my dad was the person who would criticize everything in a theoretical way. He was a theoretical, you know, professor of theory of light. <laughs> so he was super impractical, but that got me to, to this kind of mindset that I'm not happy with what exists and I just want to change it. Um, and so that was like, okay, if I really want to change it, I need to start a company that's going to make a bigger dent than, um, just being an IC or like a, you know, individual contributor. Um, yeah. That's great. Um, I'm interested, you know, you obviously have worked in product management and now work with a lot of product management teams and groups. What have been some of the the biggest changes that you've seen both in your career and just in product management in the industry in general as we've kind of moved through time? Yeah, I you know, it depends like what what kind of a time span you look at. If you really, really want to go to the early days. Um which probably we don't like, we want to be more practical, but, but what I want to say is, you know, there's companies like HP or Intuit that were very product companies or Apple, right? Like product, uh, product management and understanding of the, of the people has been always at the root of some of these, um, companies. And that, that role of a product manager was really the, or has been the, 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 the leading role in all the product decision-making, but in as an industry that hasn't been the status quo for most companies a lot of the especially in the tech world right like a lot of the decisions has been led by engineers and by uh, having the insight about the technology in the first place rather than the customer you know um, people aspect of it but that's changed so if you're asking me like it's way more Product management is way more about customer pain points, or at least the great companies realize that that's what's important. And the the shift in the in the power of product leaders is indisputable. Like you see, chief product officers in in the C suite. <clears throat> it's slightly different in like the core product companies, like software companies, like Product Board or Zoom or Autodesk, right? Where the product, the software, is the business, because there you have a very clear okay, so. There's a product manager owns a product, uh, one product or product line or, you know, whatever part of the product in the digital transformation companies, there's a change that's been happening recently where, you know, they're not necessarily selling the product. They're selling banking or cars, right. Or, or healthcare services, uh, but they still need to build incredible differentiated digital experiences, whether it is the e-commerce, if you're selling groceries, but the experience is online, right? Or if you're, if you're providing banking services, you have mobile banking and patient booking. If you're one of our customers is one medical. And so they're booking patients, right? Which is a healthcare provider here in California and in some other States uh, as well, I believe. Um, 
autonomous cloud infrastructure. Like so, so this the, the, that's um, what I was saying is the the role of product in these companies is slightly different because it's not really the core of the business. It's more like supporting function. But I feel like that the companies that are really doing well and that are leading are realizing the importance of it, and that and that even though they might not have like a chief product officer, but the person is the chief digital, um, you know, e-commerce, chief e-commerce officer, or, you know, the, the chief digital transformation officer. Um, and it might roll up to CIO or, you know, even, even uh, like CTO in some cases, but they realize that it's critical and that the decision-making needs to stem from that function. So I think that that's a change that, um, that is still happening. Uh, the best companies are the ones that, get it and empower the people in those roles to make the decisions. Yeah, absolutely. How, how do you approach product management at a product company like product board? I'm interested in, you know, what, what have been some of the approaches that you've taken and, and what does that look like for you know, your organization specifically? Yeah, I, I'd say honest answer is imperfectly because <laughs> the excellence is unattainable, but I believe that it's the journey that matters and that you need to be on the, on the path to excellence, even though you'll never get there. Um, but I mean, look like, you know, we, we just live and breathe all the latest, greatest approaches and, and really stem from very tight collaboration and customer centricity as a company, everything is informed by insights from customers, like a lot of customer conversations, which by the way, doesn't mean that you necessarily go and test everything with the customers, because while that is the ideal way to de-risk everything, it's also the slowest one. If you go to the source and do all the primary research, right? And every product manager goes and tests everything. Um, like I said, it's ideal, but takes a long time. And sometimes you just need to rely on people's experience that they already hopefully through very tight interaction with customers acquired, right? And internalized into intuition. Intuition is a great thing as long as it's informed and, and it's not just like a naive guess, right? Um, and so I'm trying to balance that. Like to your question, like, you know, how do you balance the the fact that I've been thinking about this for 10 years now, and I've had literally thousands, probably tens of thousands of conversations with product managers at, uh, at this point. And how do you translate that to somebody who just joined the company and who's relatively early in their career? Um, and this is kind of a, by the way, this is a, on the, on the meta level, this is just like a human knowledge management and information sharing problem, right? This is not unique to product management. Um, but in product management, I sometimes talk about the fact that it's so easy to forget that you've spent so much time thinking about it and that you get impatient, uh, and that the person you just hired, like, doesn't get it and grok it and how come they don't see it and how come you know, they don't, they don't make the right decision right away. And how come they want to go talk to customers to validate things? Isn't this obvious? Well, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, um, I guess that's the humility and the, kind of the bigger picture that needs to come in play. Um, and, you know, the, the, the realization that you need to give people a break or that you need to share the context with them um, and and then, you know, expect that they um, they will leverage it. Um, yeah, so I, I would I would really summarize it. Customer-centric, very collaborative approach to product management. I, that's what we see, what we see every time there's a best team, super gelled, super customer centric, super high information density and throughput. I think you've hit a couple of things that are absolutely spot on uh, in one, how you're approaching product management. And I, I think we all approach it imperfectly from my experience, but some of those key principles of really understanding the customer and having that high collaboration, high information density, like you said, that really brings all of the learning and all of the team together into you know, what, what it is that you're trying to ultimately accomplish. Um, I'm interested in, you know, uh, can, can I, can, can, can I, sorry to interrupt. I just like one, one thought, what we've learned, we, uh, you know, throughout the history of the company, we, have been very fluid in terms of how the organization was designed and people would move from one part or from, you know, one initiative to another. And we historically haven't had much stability because, and it's, you know, 
the context is it's a, it's a startup that's growing. There's, you know, a lot of changes, right? Like the, the, the organization scaling and so on. So there's stability is probably the, the opposite of describing that environment for, for any fast growing company. But what we've learned and what we realized is that it's really hurting the custom, the deep customer understanding, the lack of stability and moving people around from a, you know, domain to domain or engineers from one code base to another is really hurting the depth of understanding. So we had kind of like a lot of people that have a, like a good, but relatively shallow understanding, like good understanding, broad understanding, but relatively shallow as opposed to having the continuity in understanding a specific part of the product, which hopefully is aligned with specific set of use cases for a specific you know, persona or segment. Um, and so that, that just basically a mistake that we've made that we've recently uh, corrected where we said like, Hey, you know, we're going to have stability and they, and the teams are going to, of course, you might be working on different initiatives, different missions, but you're going to be very much aligned around the use case and, uh, and that persona. Um, and the, 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 the outcome is like, um, not just deeper understanding of the, of the, of the people, um, but also even kind of like a stability and more, you know, happiness of the people is like, Hey, this is what I own and I'm going to really become an expert. Um, and then the keto is like, how do you facilitate the sharing and how do you make sure that like all the product managers like are aware of what's happening somewhere else, you know, and then, and so on and so on. Yeah. I don't know. That's a thought. Yeah. I think, and I think that that's such an important part in really being able to one, develop the ownership like you talked about. And then two, being able to have that depth of understanding for a certain area, as opposed to kind of moving from project to project and and reforming teams around, you know, we're going to work on this and then it gets reformed into something else. Really, you know, being deep in a certain area and driving the outcomes that you're looking for, kind of like you were saying that it's, I, I think that that is, it's such an important part and something that I think I I tend to see as I, I talk and, and work with a variety of companies and teams that that is, it's super valuable. Um, I'm, I'm interested in, as you have met with lots of product teams and, you know, have your own product teams, what are some of those, are there other things that you've seen that really make for high functioning teams and high functioning product organizations? Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to really emphasize the the need for the deep customer understanding and the context and that the, and it's, you know, it's, it's twofold, right? It's like, of course, the bigger you are and the higher you are in the hierarchy in the organization, the, the, the more disconnected to some extent you are from the front lines. And that's the same for CEO as well as, you know, product, uh, product management and product leadership or, you know, any other function, which is by the way, why if you talk to any top CEOs, they always tell you like, you need to spend half of the half of the time with customers so that you never lose that touch because knowledge of the customer is the most important. Um, even actually I was just watching this, um, and Tesla just announced the, the cyber track, right. And there was like, Hey, the reaction of the market. And there was the CEO of Ford who was saying, well, we are not afraid because we know our customers way better than Tesla does. And Tesla is designing a track for the techies in Silicon Valley. And, and of course, you know, you can argue with that, right? But like, my point is that it's frequent, the, the customer understanding is frequently brought up by the CEOs. You cannot go higher in the organization as a super important competitive differentiator. And so it really boils down to how do you make sure that the customer understanding is shared across the company on all levels. And I always, um, and I always thought about the kind of, if you think about the hierarchy of the product manager, even if you're the most junior, um, the first job out of college product manager, uh, and, and your scope is very limited, like you should have, you know, maybe narrow scope, but be really, really deep in it and make sure that you understand all the nuances of the different, uh, the use cases within that, within that scope and that you understand the segmentation and how the different you know, personas or, or segments again, again, differ. And, and you need to really, really, really focus on that. And then, you know, the higher you are in the, in the organization, the broader your scope is and the broader understanding you need to have of the market. But again, you know, the best companies, um, 
this information flows and there's a regular collaboration within the product organization, but then within R&D and across R&D and go to market teams so that it's really shared and there's no confusion about who is the ideal customer. And it's not like, and I'm going to probably describe something that people might, uh, might laugh at, but it's like, I don't know, you'd, maybe you wouldn't be surprised, but I've seen so many companies where the ideal customer profile that sales has is different from what the marketing persona for messaging is, from what the product management, um, you know, segmentation and, and kind of uh, definition is from what the design personas are. And it's just crazy chaos, right? So, so ultimately, to the extent you can bring it all together, like that, that's critical and you know again like to your to your question that that is the as the holy grail like bring everybody on the same page and that's what then hopefully leads to product products that are really really incredibly well designed and and executed and brought to the market yeah absolutely uh, how i'm interested how do you bring those things together in your experience so how do you bring both the customer insights and the the knowledge sharing and all of these uh even diverse stakeholders and teams together yeah. and really make that something yeah. that is uh cohesive for for the product and for the business yeah yeah and so the, you know this goes back to the challenge of how do you share information and knowledge and how do you kind of you know the one mental model that you have in your head how do you make sure that everyone else is aligned with it Maybe like, you know, be very specific. I, I've always thought that um, it's very important for the leadership on the, on the product side um, to be really crisp about the strategy and the vision um, of what is it that you're building and the market and how you're seeing, you know, the structure of the the market landscape, the competition, you know, your key differentiators, um, how, how are you kind of outlining the milestones in the year one, two, three, you know, from now. And, and that needs to be fairly, and people are like, oh yeah, we have like a strategic one pager. This needs to be a very detailed document. There's a lot of context and there is really no shortcut. It's not like, oh, you're just like, write, write a one pager and there it is. It's like, imagine that you would want to be a medical doctor and you was like, oh yeah, I'm just going to read a one pager on how to be a great doctor. It's like, well, kind of. You know, it's not going to work. There's no shortcut. You have to go deep. And so um, ultimately, I feel like it's the role of the of the leaders. And, you know, again, like the scope changes, but the depth should be always there on any level of the, of the hierarchy in the organization that you need to outline as much context. And then you can also, of course, summarize and do a one pager as a shorthand, but it's only as a... Uh, additional asset on top of something that needs to be much more robust. And then the job of the leadership is to make sure that you do a roadshow and that you do workshops and that you ask questions and that you facilitate the conversations and that you have like regular Q&A and AMAs and just debates. And and it's not just like a, you know, 30 minute, uh, an hour thing that you do. And it's more like a half a day workshop where you really have time to dive deeper and you really have time to answer questions and you see in people's eyes, the confusion and you just do a big uncomfortable pause until you get out of them, the, 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 the real questions that they have, because, you know, they might be afraid to ask because they're just new to the company. Um, and so that, that is something practical that I feel like we need to be doing better, be crisp and doing this communication and, and, and you need to engineer it because it's not natural. It's especially not natural because you have to repeat it. And as humans, we don't, we feel like, oh, I just told everybody the, you know, the vision and the strategy. And we had a whole workshop about it, you know, um, you know, a quarter ago, but the reality is that since you hired new people who've never heard that. And so you kind of need to be, you need to engineer the fact that you need to repeat it. And even though to you, it sounds like, oh yeah, I'm going to repeat it again. I've t- I've said it already 27 times. It's like, guess what? You have to say it for the 28th time because um, again, people don't have that deep concept as you and repetition is key. And because there's people who've never heard it. So that's one thing that I pointed out that because I do think that's the, that the crux of it all. 
I really like this idea, a couple of the ideas that you talked about, but really going deep in these things and then reiterating them so that it's continually ingrained into the culture and into what everybody's doing. Because I think you're right. I feel like oftentimes it's so easy to breeze over, you know, some of the things that we're doing, whether that's, you know, the, the vision or strategy or, or anything like that. And, you know, create the, the brief narrative and then never talk about it again. It's like, we did it. It's there. It's on a page. You can look at it, but that really doesn't create the alignment that you're talking about because we haven't gone deep and we haven't made sure that everybody has gone deep with us. You know, it may be, I may have a really good understanding because I've thought about it for, for a long time and and put a lot of time into it, but other people won't have that. Uh, unless we help and guide everybody into like what is the context? How do we really get deep with this? And how do we make sure everybody is on board and aligned going forward? I think I think that's so critical. Yeah. And 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 you know, it's hard. Like, you know, I felt at it often. Like, you know, I I know I can be better. I know I can spend more time, right? It's always a balance. Like, how do you balance knowledge? Um or, or like how 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 do you how do you balance the time that you invest into it to make sure that the knowledge is 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 transferred to the to the extent uh, uh needed um yeah it's it's hard <laughs> yeah definitely so i'm i'm interested you know we've talked a, a little bit about you know how how things have been and and where they are where do you see the the future of product management going and, and the future of product development in general as we, as we look forward. I, you know, on, on the, on the same theme, I think that with the advancements with AI and large language models, there's really even less excuse for understanding the world around you and the context and the customers, because the, the models, obviously there's many use cases that you can use the, the, the models for, right? But um, the the summarization use case and the research, uh, hopefully you have critical <laughs> critical evaluation skills and, 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 and you know, you have a deep first principle understanding and, and some knowledge that helps you filter out the hallucination. But anyway, my point is that it can, it can shorten the time and you can do so much more research in a shorter uh, period of time than than ever before, and then I also definitely foresee the future where the AI itself will be able to multiply the research capabilities, and you can have you know kind of like a guided interview with an AI that that is gonna be trained and that will have the full context of your product and your use cases and you can suddenly do that at scale as opposed to do it one off you still somehow need to get it into people's heads right but like you know you can summarize it and again you do you do more of them and then the pain points get distilled and and it's awesome like we do it now in in, in product board uh, uh we just we just launched this feature where you can distill out of like customer support conversations or research notes or any kind of qualitative feedback you can you can distill pain points into the feature specification. Uh, and again, you need to apply critical, you know, critical thinking and, and, and make sure that it makes sense. But my, my larger point here is that no excuses for not doing the research and understanding what, what is it that people need, what they complain about, or, you know, what competition is doing. Um, because you can do it in the past. It's like, oh, I need to go, I need to do a study and it's going to take the weeks or months. And, you know, yeah, yeah. And like, no, this is like, you can do it in a couple hours. Um, and that hopefully will lead to better understanding of the people and their needs and thus to better products. Um, and, you know, probably, and, and, and again, this is like a complete, you know, future sci-fi, but it's like, we're probably going to be in, in a moment where the AI is actually going to be able to critically evaluate the product experience and tell you like, Hey, these are not the right patterns that you're using here. Right. Or like, Hey, beware, there's a new emerging pattern. Think about what is it that the context that people are using some other products that is becoming dominant and it has this new pattern and you should really consider that because it's 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 formulating new habits in your user base and and you should reflect that and you know 
Um, anyway, so it's it's just gonna be smarter. But in terms of the the job of the product manager of the of the of the core of its um, of its um, like the the center of it, it's I don't think it's changing. Still understand the people. It hasn't changed in thousands of years. Like if you think about product creators, whether it's hardware or software products, understand who who the people are, what are the pain points, and what are you gonna do about it? What are the solution alternatives? Come up with the best one. Just we're gonna be just so much better and efficient and more productive. Yeah, you've hit on I think what I absolutely agree with in that you know the the fundamentals really won't necessarily change, but our ability to understand and uh, cr- and create and execute and deliver is going to be so much more augmented by a lot of the technology and tools that we'll have at our disposable. You know, being able to like you, you do said the research. Go ahead. Yeah, but you said you you actually added a great point, right? Because it's not just the research and understand. You said deliver. And it's also like, how do you then package it and how do you translate it to the audience? Because as a PM, you, you're ingesting, you're understanding, but then you're also sharing and communicating and you need to talk to the audience. You need to do through product marketing, right? You need to explain what you're doing, all the stakeholders and align everybody. And so that is also going to be much easier. And already now, like we are, you know, again, in product, we're working on this functionality where you can have like a guided walkthrough through the roadmap that is auto-generated based on the feedback but it's it's you can do it in kind of like a storytelling way that is optimized and you can leverage the function of the large language models it's amazing i did this this complete tangent but like then i have the new new daughter on the way i i, I named my kids and my older kid is hubert the second one is nicholas but i named i named them because of the meaning nicholas means victor of the people hubert means bright-minded and so i said like it's great to have a you know kids that the story of the names is victory of bright-minded people and now we're talking about like hey what should be the name of the daughter to make and i went to chat gp and i was like hey tell the story of these names and what would be like a great story <laughs> and it's the same thing it's like hey tell me a story of, of, of for a roadmap i have these features i have these objectives i have these um you know initiatives like you know do it in an engaging way where it makes sense and and um uh, based on the audience that that uh, is delivering it like adjust it the ai is awesome at it so that's exciting that's super exciting because i feel like we have at least in my experience there is a love hate relationship with with product roadmaps you know they're there's something that can be very very useful but also something that can be very very difficult or misused or, or any number of things and like you said being able to take some of these tools and uh, really not just have you know the the roadmap or or features but be able to to cohesively tell a story that puts all of that in context for stakeholders or for customers or for whoever it is could potentially make a huge difference and and i feel like this is just something that is i mean it's so new you know we've been doing product roadmaps for a long time but the ability to take some of these things and really make it much more meaningful i mean that's feel like that's we're on the the cusp of some really really great things coming down the pike um i guess what, what's your take on product roadmap specifically and how this you know a lot of the tools can start to change the way we use them in the conversation around them yeah i um i'm not gonna go into like dates or not uh, on the roadmap <laughs> i know this is, a, this is a very old conversation this space uh for the practitioners you can probably point out the periods where it was like the hot topic in the industry to talk about should they have dates or not um i would like to point out that you really start thinking about the roadmaps differently if you don't think of them as only unidirectional sharing of the plans but if you think of them as a conversation starter where you are basically saying like, Hey, this is what I intend to work on. Is it the right thing for you and different customers, different needs. And so you're going to have different perspectives. And so if you treat the roadmaps in such way, in the collaborative way, um, then you're going to start thinking about the roadmap differently because the way to the point that we just had, right? Like the way you present it, the way you tell the story, the way you're articulating why you're 
presenting why, why the things are on the roadmap, it suddenly changes the context and it and it really forces you to think less about just hey this is the laundry list of things that 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 you're building and it forces you to think about who is the audience and what is it that they um represent in terms of the 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 segment right like the the, the behavior uh, the, the behaviors and then how it translates into the needs and so that I've always applied that um, that thinking of like, I'm going to put myself into the shoes of the person that's looking at this artifact. And how do I make it crisper? How do I make it more memorable? How do I make it organized in such a way that the uh, the the right level of detail is captured, right? Like board presentation deck is different than um, like a very, very detailed, you know, one team uh, working on a specific, uh, specific, very, very detailed thing or internal kind of planning for, for a sprint, right? It's like very, very different kind of artifacts. Um, and then and, and everything else flows from that. It's like, hey, there, there, there's no one roadmap. You need to have multiple. It needs to be flexible. You need to be able to adjust it. You need to be able to filter it. You need to be able to pivot it. Like I, like I said, you know, adjust the granularity because it all depends on the audience. It's a conversation. Roadmap is a conversation. So think about it that way. Yeah. I, I could not agree more with that, that it, it's not just a document. It is a collaboration and a communication tool. And it's it goes both ways on what from the product side that we're doing and then from you know whoever that you're working with uh, whether that's internal stakeholders or customers in order to get that feedback and kind of have that continual loop of you know what is it that we should be doing and what problems should we be focused on solving and what are the biggest opportunities and all of those things i think that that's absolutely spot on i, I love it um i'm interested as we kind of maybe zoom out just a little bit you know, what have been some of the things that you have learned uh, over the years, and especially you know, being a startup founder, that you know potentially you wish you would have learned or knew a little bit earlier? Like all the tricks of the trade, and summarize the wisdom in uh, in one sentence here. <laughs> um, it's um, <clears throat> as a startup founder, <clears throat> you know, there's 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 definitely mistakes that i've meant uh that that, I, that i've made um like I, I you know i made all the mistakes right i made poor product decisions i i misunderstood uh the, <laughs> everything that i'm describing here and i was like oh yeah i i, I get it i understand the segment and the needs and i was like oh wow i actually missed this uh this thing so i i think that you know the the learning there is like the humility about it and that you need to have, you know, strong opinions, but weakly held. It's, it's, it's very, uh, very important and be open-minded and listen to people where sometimes you know, we talked a lot about the experience and if somebody is new to the, to the team or to the company and, and doesn't have much, uh, overall, you know, years of experience, uh, but they still can bring in an insight that you haven't heard of, right? Like there's little gems that uh, you you need to be open to adjust your uh, mental model and and kind of understanding. Um, one one thing that I that I would highlight that is the same for product managers or founders. Uh, it's it's sometimes stressful and you need to make decisions uh, with not enough data and you have absence of you know, the, the knowledge is not as deep, but you still need to make a decision. That's the business reality. Just like in, uh, in other fields, right? Whether it's uh, in sports and you're kind of like assessing what the competitor is going to do. And like, you don't know, right? Like you're guessing. So in business as well, you don't necessarily know. Um, what I want to say is that it creates stress that you should not necessarily share with people who don't deserve it like your partners and spouses uh you know it's like try to shield them away uh a little bit uh from that um and then you know on the on the on the product side i you know product management is an interesting discipline because it's such a intersection of so many things you know we talked about the the market and the business and the customers but you do need to understand the technology because otherwise you don't know what's possible on the solution side 
um, you need to understand the legal environment and, you know, all the constraints that you have in terms of compliance and what is, what is possible, not just from technical perspective, but from business compliance perspective. So it's a very broad role communication. We just talked about it, right? The importance of storytelling and all that. And I, and I do think that the more self-reflection you can have about where you're really good and, um, like where you need to dig deeper and where you need to maybe rely on other people and help you complement, uh, the, the, the higher chances are that you're going to succeed. But, you know, I would, I would, I would encourage people to invest a lot into developing what I talked about earlier, the intuition, internalize the experience and play. If you're a product person, you should know every product there is play with it. You should have a very strong mental model of how all the products work and what are the needs that people are trying to uh, get done with that, have critical assessment and, and really spend time in it because the intuition, like you're so much faster and efficient. I always tell people like, Hey, remember you 10 years ago or five years ago and how much less productive you were uh, compared to now. Like you can literally make decisions five times, 10 times, hundred times faster with all the context. Right. So just like invest into developing that intuition. Um, and it might, it might be, it might be kind of obvious, like, Hey, you know, learn more. Um, but if you're very thoughtful about it and you actually spend time learning about, like I said, competing alternatives or other tools in this space, it, it, it really helps you, um, develop that much faster. I think that that's really, really good advice, developing that product intuition, kind of like you said, for not just for, for founders and product people, but for, um, you know, really anybody involved in it. And I love, you know, the approach that you kind of shared in looking at all of these different products, um, not just the ones that, that you have or your company or, or your team, but all different types of products and really think about what goes into doing that and what are um, some of the the trade-offs that the person managing, I, I love to do this myself. I'll, I'll look at products. My wife and I will have these conversations and she'll say, you know, this, this app is, has gone from being good to being like really bad with this new release. And we'll talk about it. We'll go through and be like, well, okay, let's look at all of these things that are in there now. And what are some of the trade-offs that they're making and, and why would they do that? And it's made the experience worse for, I'm thinking of one specifically, it made it a worse user experience in my opinion, but I could tell the reason it was done was to make it more efficient for the company. Like they, they went through and they, they rebuilt a lot of things. And I suspect that that was the big trade-off. It's not as good of an experience, but they're going to be able to do a lot more technically going forward. And what are, what are those types of things that you as a product manager or in product development can, can think about? And why is it like that? And, and what are some of those trade-offs and what potentially would you do differently if you could? I think that's a great way to develop some of that product intuition. I, I, I really like what you said that you're doing it together with your, with your wife, which is probably unique to your relationship. I suppose not every product manager is married to somebody who's, uh, who's interested in uh, the product teardowns. But um, I think that the collaborative aspect there is super interesting. And so to the extent like people do book clubs, if you can do product clubs and sit down together and do like a brown bag lunch and do a teardown of a product uh, together with a group of people, um, to the extent you can do it, it's just a faster way to learn and, and, uh, spot out things because people have different, like we said, different depth of knowledge in different areas. Plus people represent different segments. It's, and you can, you can say like, Hey, this is actually better for this kind of a customer and not, not, not for this other kind of a customer. Obviously in software specifically, we have more flexibility where you can have personalized uh, interactions. We haven't kind of quite, you know, made it there if you think about it most most um systems or you know pr products the personalization is fairly basic in terms of maybe you have favorites and maybe you have like you know your own uh, structure uh folders or some you know categorization but beyond that remember the early days when microsoft had the ribbon and it would kind of 
uh, it would customize based on your knowledge of the usage of the product. It would customize like what was featured in the menus. And on one hand, it was kind of like that was the idea of personalizing. And on the other, it was so confusing because then <laughs> different people had different experience. And so you're kind of balancing this. Anyway, this is like a whole different tangent that we could go on. Like, you know, how, what does it mean for personalization? Um, but at the end of the day, do the product teardowns together with a group of people and, and ask them always like, why do you think so? Like, Maybe you're a segment that I don't understand well, and it might be good for you and not for me. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that is, is spot on. Well, Hubert, this has been an amazing conversation. And like you said, I feel like there's a couple other like areas that we could dive more and more into. Uh, but is there anything else that you know, we've, we've talked about or haven't had a chance to talk about that uh, you wanted to share? Go be a product manager. I mean, you're probably if you're listening, like you're 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 in product management already. But um, I I just love the intersection of the business and the design and technology. And so, like I said, understand where your strength is. Go and learn about the gaps that you have. But like double down on the strength and complement yourself with others. If you are not the technical, develop a super, super strong uh, relationship with your technical counterpart, right? And then the, the triad, product design, engineering, you just need to think of it as a, not just, it's not an individual sport. It, it, it's, it's a team that needs to gel together and you need to invest into it. And I know, you know, you, you, you mentioned earlier, um, or like before, before we talk, like the concept of remote teams versus hybrid teams and so on, it's harder in the remote world and you need to invest extra hard to build these relationships with people. If you don't spend time together in, you know, real, real life and it takes the effort you need to invest. You need to be very engineered and structured about it. Um, but it's so worth it because nobody knows it all. And even, even the greatest people, Steve Jobs, like, you know, he wasn't the uh, engineer. He wasn't the designer. He was, he was really a product manager. In fact, he had a title VP product, uh, new product development. Uh, when he got fired uh, from, <laughs> from Apple, that was his on, on his business card. He was basically a product manager. Um, but that's, that's the, uh, you know, what he, what he was bringing to the table is really representing the customer. And he could tell whether people are going to love it or whether it sucks. And he was very unapologetic about it. Um, but, you know, again, again, I, I, you know, I didn't know him personally at all. Right. So it's like, I, I don't want to go into like a <laughs> psychoanalysis, but my point is that you need to, you need to partner with other people who are experts in those, in those areas where you're weaker. Absolutely. I think that's great. And go sign up for product board, try product board. <laughs> <laughs> That's what people should do. Where, where, yeah, where can people sign up for for product? Productboard.com. Productboard.com, and I, you know myself, I'm everywhere. I'm on LinkedIn and and all the social media, so you can just reach out. I'm happy to chat with anyone. Perfect. Well, we'll put those links in the show notes as well. And I did want to wrap up with uh, just kind of two final questions. And going back to what you talked about a little bit earlier. Um, if there's anything that you've read or watched or uh, listened to recently that you found particularly interesting, I know you mentioned you know, some of the people at the top of their fields, if there's anything along those lines or anything else. Oh yeah. So, I mean, for, for product management, like I said, you know, I, I love to learn from the best uh, people in the field and there's a podcast by Lex Friedman. Uh, I don't know if people have heard of it, but he's doing like really deep, long, interviews and so just like you know three and a half hours with mark andreessen and then mark zuckerberg and just you know uh really and and not not just in the business field by the way it's you know all 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 around but it's because it's like a deep long conversation it's super insightful plus it's not just a podcast it's a video and you can see people's emotions and you know a lot of these people obviously have been trained a lot and so it's kind of like hard to tell um, how honest the answers are because you're so well PR trained. Um, but it's still, you know, I, I, I've always tried to, to the extent I can see the people and their emotions and the full communication. Um, and so that's, that's, uh, that's something that I just recently, I just like on a run today, listened actually to the Mark Zuckerberg uh, interview. 
uh, which <laughs> I didn't see him. I was like, okay, how does he look like when he's saying that I would pull it out of my pocket? It's like, is he frowning? Is he smiling? Anyway, um, and then another book that I just recently uh, read is a book called Outlive by, by Peter Atia. Um, I've actually been at, uh, at an event with him in person and the guy is impressive. It's about how to live longer, healthier life. And it's all the basics of nutrition or basic, I would say basic questions, but he's a very first principle guy and he's a great storyteller. And I've just changed a lot how I eat and sleep and, you know, work out uh, based on his advice. And, you know, uh, he's very convincing. So I hope it's not like a cult new religion because you know what what it's like with understanding the science, but he's, he's very first principled. So uh, makes sense what he's, uh, what he's sharing. That's great. Yeah. We'll put those links in the show notes as well. And then finally, are there any products that you've been using that you have particularly enjoyed or, or maybe not enjoyed could be digital products or physical products? I, yeah, look like I'm a, I'm a CEO, but I'm still a product guy and I love designing things in Figma and I just, you know, it's awesome for, for the reasons what I said earlier it's it's even shorter feedback loop from the effort to seeing the the results and the interactive prototype like it prototypes how quickly you can do it you know i was starting a company this is way before figma this is before sketch right it's like the in the days of balsamic and and, and balsamic was like lo-fi and i don't like really low fidelity prototypes like i i, I want to see the high fidelity and um and I did all the high fidelity mock-upping mock and keynote back then with all the magic moves. So now you can do it in, in, in Figma uh, so much easier. And I even frequently do my own slides in, in Figma just because it's better than to do it in Google Docs, you know? Um, yeah. So it's for the love of creation and the, the immediate feedback that you get. Like, does it look great or not? It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, couldn't agree more with that. Absolutely. Well, Hubert, again, this has been an amazing conversation. Appreciate all of your insights and the information that you shared. And uh, it, again, I think this has been a really, really great conversation. Likewise, thanks for the, all the questions. This is, I hope it's uh, it's going to help people learn something, something new. It was awesome to be here. Absolutely, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks again for listening. If you like the show, be sure to follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow the show on TikTok at prodigy.co and on Twitter at prodigy.co. You can also follow me on both of those platforms at Kyle Larry Evans. If you want more product conversation, check out my newsletter Prodigy at prodigy.co. You can also follow me on Medium at Kyle Larry Evans or check out my medium publication, Prodigy. Of course, you can check out all these links in the show notes.